Hey everyone, welcome back to Thoughtful Intentions. I'm your host, Fiona Winch, and today's guest is Sammy Sadicario. Sammy, aka the creative story worker, guides people-pleasing artists to unconditional self-love with her creativity ignition method. Before her obsession with all things nutrition, story work, mindset, and self-care, she was on track to a career in the entertainment industry. She spent her days auditioning for Broadway, writing shows, producing short films, and after years of seeking external validation in work and relationships, high stress, low immunity, and constant injury, she found her true passion for healthy mindset and life coaching. Now when she's not coaching her fabulous clients to stronger health and creativity, she can be found rock climbing and camping outside her home in Seattle, Washington. Sammy and I also went to college together, so I was excited to chat with her today, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Sammy. <laughs> Hi, Fiona. Thanks for How are you doing? Of course. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, thank you, first of all. Um, I I know we have so much to get into. And if you don't mind, I first kind of want to address this word story worker, because literally the first time I heard it was when you said it on the phone to me and I have never heard it before. I have kind of referred to myself in the past as a storyteller, but to me, story worker felt like a little more hands-on. So I'm just curious what that means to you. Yes. I'd love to talk about this. Okay. So give you a little background of how I got into story work and that will kind of explain what story work is to me. Perfect. So kind of a funny story, you know, I was in New York working in film and in 2018, I received a random email from a friend of a friend from college that completely changed my life. It was for a job on a riverboat cruise. Okay. Company outside of Portland, Oregon. And I had stopped performing at that point. Um, And I was really like gung ho about becoming a a producer and working in the film industry. But when I got a performing job to go work on this tiny little boat in the middle of nowhere, Oregon, I was like, I have to say yes. You can't say you you, saying yes to opportunity is Mm -hmm. where you go to unexpected places, you know? So were you sad to leave New York or were you like all about it? You sound, I mean, you're a nature type. So, but I didn't know I was a nature type. I was okay. Okay. Silly, I was silly girl, that too, but total <laughs> city girl. <laughs> Funny, okay. I had never been camping before. I had never even slept in a tent. Um, and really? I pretty much got off the plane in Oregon and went, hold up, I'm moving here. <laughs> wow, I would, I would never have guessed that based on just like seeing you now, I would never have known. Yeah, in college, I think I went on like three hikes to Mount Nittany. <laughs> right. I literally remember going with my roommate and being like, this is terrible. Why would anyone want to be out? Where are you from originally? South Florida. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> and my parents are New Yorkers. Interesting. Okay. So yeah. this riverboat tour took you to more than just Oregon. It took you. Yeah. So it took me to the Northwest. Mm-hmm. And as you, as you mentioned, when you read my bio, mm-hmm. I was super sick all the time. Mm-hmm. I was up and down 40 to 60 pounds, which I'm five foot 10. So like it evenly displaces, but it was an extra 60 pounds of weight on my body. I had constant chronic pain. I was in and out of doctors, naturopaths. Um, I was getting EKGs for, because I was having um, migraines where I would faint. It was I was getting injured oh I was on crutches for two years in college and I was getting a dance major or not major, but dance was a huge part of my major. Yeah. Um, everything was so weak and yet I was using my body so intensely without learning what it needs in order to, to take care of itself because our bodies take care of themselves. So we just- what were you like telling yourself in those moments? Was it just like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing? Like it'll pass? Like how did I had no, I, you know, it wasn't until I, I got really injured my junior year, um, that I started going to the gym and lifting weights. And I hired a, a personal trainer who was an expert at sports rehab, mm-hmm. um, in, in Penn, at Penn state, there were so many sports rehab, um, right. PT, which was great. Um, and I started to learn more about how my hips play a role and, um, do yoga every day for five minutes a day. Um, and so that's when it kind of started in college. And then when I got on the boat, my singing partner was a personal trainer. Hmm. 
and he was a nutrition coach and he did this, he offered this year long program, habit building and changing program. And I did it and I went a hundred thousand percent with it for the full year. And of course there's things that go in and out in life. And that's part of the point of the program, teach you how to be consistent and sustainable. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I completely changed my life that year. I went from having like fast food three times a week to cooking my own food, to understanding what was in my food, to understanding what bad oils were, to reducing my sugar addiction. Um, I had better memory. I was able to exercise consistently without burning out. I understood the importance of sleep. So all of this in a year long program. And I went, oh my God, why doesn't everyone know about this? Why are we still doing diets when we can just learn how to eat and live and love ourselves more? Mm -hmm. So I decided I wanted to become an online coach and I wanted to learn. So the second year I was on the boat while I was doing a one woman show and I was cruise director and I was, (laughs) you know, taking on a lot of responsibility because I Uh love responsibility. I became a nutrition coach and I got that certification. Fast forward, I left the boat in November, 2019. And then I moved to Seattle to pursue my dreams of becoming an outdoors woman and with an online business. You beat the curve from this pandemic. Like you really like that timing is impeccable. Impeccable. Wow. Because COVID dropped and I already had this vision for a business. So I all of my money, all of it, and found the right mentor for me and said, help. And I hired a business coach and I ran with it. And I learned how to use social media to have authentic conversations with people and guide them to where they need to be. I do market research every three to six months. And probably like in the time when we need it most, I mean, I'm coming to this, it's kind of funny because now I'm coming to this conversation as a mentee. Like, as I mentioned to you, I ended up working for a men- with a mentor for a lot of this pandemic. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how, like what I've learned might align with what you teach anyway. Um, and I'm excited for that, but, um, that's amazing. So story working. So you help people. So then about three months into it, into yeah. coaching, I came across this guy, Mark England, who teaches story work, basically taking your stories and turning down the victim mentality, turn down the drama. Okay. Turn down the drama, take control, like take responsibility for your actions and your words. Notice how your words play a role in your identity, in who you are, in who you tell yourself you are. So one one thing that I always had that was really hard for me is Mm -hmm. um, I'm an actress. I'm an artist. Artists don't make six figures. That was a story I played in my head. So my coach went back with me and said, where does that story come from? We wrote out the story. Why is it there? We turned down the story. We used my words. And it's this thing we called um, mystical translations or a mm-hmm. one word game. And mm-hmm. it's so much fun. My clients are always like, that's magic. Like it is, but it's your magic from your words. Um, so you take your own words and you play one word game to turn something negative into something positive. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I find this so powerful is because it's not like you're pulling an affirmation from the ether. It's not like you're pulling words from someone else. You're writing these words and then reconstructing them right there in front of your eyes to have stronger and more empowering meaning. So that's awesome. A story and reworking it. Right. Okay. A story worker. Okay. So I see the, the etymology of this concept. I like it. Um, it's funny that you mentioned the the victimization though, because I was actually writing um, an essay for this program I was applying to and trying to explain my past three years, like, oh, well, all going on three years after school. Um, and just, I was trying to explain how I felt resilient in a lot of ways, but it came off a little bit whiny, you know? And then I had to kind of backtrack and think like, how do I, how do I explain like the personal strength that I've developed without complaining about the circumstance I was in? Do you know what I mean? It it was like a complicated game of words and stringing them together in a way that's more empowering than, um, 
than complaining, I guess. So like how you took a bad situation and you moved to a stronger point in your life without like making it sound like you're whining about. Yeah. Without like playing the victim card a little bit. Cause those were choices that I made, you know, and I could not have known at the time when I made the choice, what it would insinuate in full, you know? Um, and what have I learned? How have I grown? What has it made me become rather than if, if I had known this, if I had known that, you know, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, language, I, I, okay. Backing up to this whole words thing and choice of words too. Um, I, and to explain a little bit about my recent background as well, I also, um, decided to transition away from theater this year. I was having a bit of like a battle with the ego about letting go what my previous path was. Um, and then I heard the word pivot and like, oh. it was like the word of the year for me it because was the it, word of the year. yeah, because like when I was able to tell myself, like I am pivoting, it felt like I was keeping one foot in like my, my past and like the things that I've like learned and then, but like staying true to myself while pursuing something else. Exactly. And it really like, it made me relax. Like my whole body just relaxed. I love the word pivoting because, you know, it's funny. I have a, my friend at the beginning of quarantine started selling these little like plant drawings for like three to $10 each. And I bought one and she sent a plant affirmation and I sat and I, this morning I went for a walk with my coffee and I came back and I was looking at it and I just read it a bunch of times and it's plant affirmation. I adapt and grow no matter my circumstances. I like that. And that's pivoting. It's adapting. How do I take where I am now and move toward a more aligned journey? Um, It's funny that you bring up like the plant thing too, because I have this one quote. I, I need to get better about, well, I'll ask you how you feel about affirmations, like daily affirmations. Is that something you do? Absolutely. That's something I need to get better at. Um, And this isn't per se an affirmation, but it is kind of my daily reminder. I have just like this little quote in my, uh, in a widget in my phone. Um, And it says the grass is greener when you water it. And I just liked that because it was very like, it's just very simple, but you know, it's like, you don't have to look across the yard, you know, water, water what's here. Yeah. And that's hard to do. Um, you know, especially, you know, it's interesting. I'm for the first time in my life living on my own and I have my own business as well. So I'm finding that for the first time in my life, I am alone in my endeavors and it is sink or swim. Now that is a mindset. That is a story that I'm currently working through. That's Mm -hmm. swim mentality, but it's so easy to look at what other people are doing. Like my friend who I was just telling you about before we got on here, um, who's an awesome coach. And I look up to her all the time and I'm consistently like, dude, when are you going to be a business coach? So I can hire you (laughs) Uh, because it's, it's her mindset game is so strong. And And when I reach out to her and ask her, like, when I'm like, Hey, I need your help. She always, as a great coach does, turns it right back onto me. And how am I watering? How am I taking care of myself? So like back to basics, you know, this has been, I mean, it's been an incredibly challenging time for me as for so everybody, you know, we're, we have this base layer of, of stress. We're all hitting this COVID wall. Right. Um, I don't know about where you live. Seattle's been shut the heck down. Oh, yeah. Um, we're yeah. finally opening back up a little bit more, but you know, there's like something like 15,000 restaurants that are out of business forever here. Um, oh my God. 15,000. Um, some, uh, a winemaker who I know told me that recently, he's like 15,000. That's like, that's really difficult to wrap my mind around as and just, you know, I mean, the whole, the whole thing is difficult to wrap my mind around, but, and yet here we are. So And here we are and we're all pivoting, but there's, so there's this base layer of stress on everyone's plate and then add in other levels of stress. So for me, it's a breakup from a 
you know, I had a breakup from a healthy relationship, entered into another relationship, which was incredibly toxic. And now breaking, I just broke up with that toxic relationship. Mm. And for the first time coming to terms with my people pleasing patterns. No, let me say, it's not the first time I'm coming to terms with my people pleasing patterns. I've been releasing those for years. And that's why that's what I guide my clients to do. Mm-hmm. But realizing how really deep they are and how living on my own for the first time is going to create a dependence on myself that has never existed before. I, I have so many questions about this one particular topic. Um, but first I want to say that I have only lived by myself once um, for a few months. And I was nannying at the time for a kid that was only 18 months. So he wasn't talking. Um, and I I don't know about you, but I'm I'm guessing that because you're also an artist, perhaps you're also an overthinker by nature like me. Um, So living alone was super difficult because then I would just like have conversations with myself that were completely unnecessary and like, (laughs) like only existing in my own brain, even to the point of like, should I have this? Should I have this candy bar? You know, rather than just living, I was just thinking about every single move I made because there was no one to talk to. (laughs) Well, what's really interesting is like, that is really where these tools that I've learned from story work and from language Mm -hmm. are saving me. Do tell, please. (laughs) Um, So basically when I started story work, the number one thing that my coach, Mark England says is, and when something comes up, use your pen, it's your magic wand. Words are magic. Words are spells. What we speak, we create. And it's true. I see it all the time. I see it with my clients. I had a client who said I could never do ABC. Well, guess what? We changed that language and now she's running a whole business based on ABC. Wow. So, you know, you change your language, you change how you speak to yourself, how you view yourself. It's so much, I know this is kind of a side topic, but it's really important there's so much toxic positivity in the mental health space right now Mm -hmm. and in the fitness space. And it's not possible, right? Like somebody told me, you know, somebody who subscribes to who coaches with toxic positivity said, I I was reaching out because I was like, look, I'm struggling. I need some help right now. I need some support. And I was like, I just left this super toxic relationship and all of these like terrible abusive things that he would say to me are like living at the top of my mind and I need to get them out. She's like, well, just think better thoughts, do ABC. And I was like, all right. I I realized that how powerful the story work was and how I can only now work with story work. I mean, like I was going to ask, what are some like red flags for toxic people pleasing or toxic positivity Hmm. that you kind of notice in those spaces? Because I think if you don't spend a lot of time working on this stuff, you like general, the general public probably wouldn't realize. Oh gosh. Gaslighting, gaslighting by partners, gaslighting by your doctors, gaslighting by coaches, somebody, if you bring a problem you have, or, or, or a, a ruminating thought or a, um, a negative, um, self-talk to a professional and them shutting it down or giving you giving answers rather than helping you discover where it comes from mm-hmm. the thing with story work. It's like, I have this belief. I have this belief that I'm not, um, I'm whatever it is. Like, I'm not good enough. Where does that come from? Oh, it comes from my mom telling me I'm not good enough. Can I remember a story, a specific memory where my mom said that I'm not good enough? Yes, I can write it down. And we do some somatic breathing with it, with it, meaning we breathe and notice where in our bodies that story lives. Most of the time it lives in our, you know, our stomach, chest, throat. Um, I have some clients who are artists who feel a lot of trauma in their hands. Mm, Interesting. Um, Yeah. Often, you know, I say, where do you feel that? How do you feel that? I have one client, their their biggest stress, their hands go numb and they're an artist. So um, we notice that and we breathe through the stories, breathe through the words and then take the words from it. And it's all, it's obvious once you start doing story work it's obvious where you'll see sentences that are repeating and, or, or they'll say something and we'll take those words and readjust them 
for instance, should sentences. I That's so wild that you just said that because I was literally going to say how um, I've been working on nixing should from my vocabulary. People say it all the time. They're like, oh, I'm, I want to get should out of my out of my vocabulary, but no one talks about how to do that. Right. Okay. So, so what are you doing right now to, to get that out of your vocabulary? Okay. Um, well, for example, like, wait, I actually had these written down. Oh, like I'm, instead of saying I should be spending this amount of time on looking for my next thing, I, mm-hmm. I just say, I am spending this amount of time or like, I need a break from this today rather than I should do this instead. Um, or I, I mean, I, I'm sure you hear it with like, I should be working out more. Um, and then I would probably say doing this would benefit my health. Like, I don't know, just trying to remove it. I'm like I said, I'm the mentee. I'm new to this, but, um, that's what I've been learning. (laughs) Would you, do you want to play one word game with me? Okay, sure. Yeah. Could you write down one should statement? whatever. Um, and who, listeners, if you're listening, do this with us, yes. grab your phones, grab your notes, um, write it down by hand. I always suggest writing things down by hand. I have several journals of all of this. That's actually where I was going to go with the story real quick okay. is that when I, you know, writing everything down is magic. Well, with leaving this relationship, when you're dealing with somebody who's toxic, who's, who's, um, who's sick, who's, Mm -hmm. who's, you know, actually sick in the brain, in the mind, um, you can't say what you want to say. And sometimes that hurts. So I have several journals of unsent letters, Mm. unsent letters to people who I want to say things to that I can't, that, um, it would be unhealthy, um, decisions that I want to make, but don't want to ask other people to help me with, but, um, need to see it myself written out. Mm -hmm several journals. So in terms of living alone, using these tools has helped me coach myself and guide myself. I wrote so much poetry when I lived by myself and I should still be doing that. Oh God, that should sense. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to write it down. Okay. Yeah. I should be writing poetry. Easy. Should be writing poetry. Can you Read that out loud. Yes. Take a deep breath. Read that out loud. I should be writing poetry. Does it bring up any specific emotions in your body? Yes. Um, mostly like here, I'm referencing face, throat area. Um, emotion wise, sad and nervous and a little stressed. Cool. Can you cross off should and yes. replace it with could and read it out loud again? I could be writing more poetry. How is that different? It feels like it's leaving space for the other things that are just as important to me right now. How does it change? It feels like a response. Um, it feels, it just feels more open-ended. It feels more like a choice rather than, um, like a command, I guess. Cool. Or now like I'm... less, there's less self-judgment involved. I love that. Am I now getting it? They're all right answers. Okay. All right answers. And everyone's different. You know, some people, some of my clients prefer. So the third step for this is mm-hmm. let's cross off could and put in can. Okay. Some of my clients prefer could, some prefer can. I prefer could. Yeah. I don't know which I prefer because in one case it's like, I mean, it's a few past future tense, I guess I I get. Well, rather than overthinking it it and notice, I can be writing more poetry. Um, yeah, I guess I, I guess I prefer could as well because in my mind, it's justifying the other things that I'm spending my time on. Mm -hmm. The most important steps of this process are yeah. checking in with our body because our mind lies to us all the time. Yeah. Our body tells the truth. You know, it's interesting um, getting on the meditation train. Mm. 
or I think everyone's like, well, I know meditation will help me, but I hate doing it. And I, I did guided meditations for so long and I still do. I still enjoy them, but I actually find that it's distracting me from getting to the truth. You know, what is meditation? Meditation is, it's not just clearing your brain, your mind. It's not in my opinion. And in, in the past six months, since, um, really digging into Buddhism a bit more and digging into, Mm. into some of these ancient traditions. Um, in my opinion, meditation is not emptying the brain, the mind it's noticing it. It's noticing what it's doing. So driving and is, it can be a meditation doing your dishes. You can be meditation, noticing what's going on in my mind right now and following the thought all the way to the end of the line, which let me tell you, if you have any issues with impulse control, <laughs> learning how to follow your thought to the, all the way to the end of the line is incredibly important. One of my clients, that's what we're working on. We're working on impulse control. She mm-hmm. wanted to cut off all her hair last week. And she was like, I'm going to do it. How long should I wait? 48 hours. And I would, and we, so what did we do? I was like, I need you to make, let's make a pro con list of what this is. Mm-hmm. Follow the thought to the end, all the way to all the options that this could possibly create in your life. Mm-hmm. Have some more about learning forethought. Where was I going with this story? Oh, meditation. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I know that's I, how I feel too. Whenever I start on tangent, then I <laughs> lose my initial thought. I guess I'm just so excited right now. No, that- <laughs> I know there's so, there's so much. So meditation has really been a game changer. Well, yes. And, um, I notice that my focus decreases when I don't meditate. I notice that my patience decreases. I'm historically an impatient person. So how do I increase my patience? I increase my patience with myself first. Mm. And sitting down and noticing what's going on in my mind. Is my mind telling me a story? Is my mind, um, trying to tell me a story for my benefit or for my hindrance? Yeah. Where's this coming from? And how do I start to notice these stories? Write them down. Right. I mean, if anything, this moment in time does give plenty of opportunity to follow those thoughts. I wanted to ask you this because you talked about meditation and journaling. And you had previously mentioned self-love and kind of how Instagram self-love, you know, kind of the wine, the ice cream, the reality TV kind of self-love versus a more, um, versus the self-love I feel like you're getting at. So can you explain to me a little bit about like your journey with self-love and what it looks like now versus maybe pre-enlightened Sammy? (laughs) Um, I don't know about enlightened. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. One of my clients pointed this out to me last week. She was like, oh my God, I understand what self-love means now. And I was like, please do tell. <laughs> yes. Self-love. Exactly. Self-love and self-care. Cause she was like, you know, everyone talks about self-care as like painting your nails or like doing a mud mask, but it's actually showing up for yourself every day. It's showing yeah. up in any way you can in that, what I call 1% better method of like the small task you can do to get you closer to who you want to be. I love tiny habits. Like I, I'm going to totally not give the person credit that I'm supposed to give credit right now. Um, but tiny habits have like saved me because instead of cutting stuff cold Turkey, or instead of trying to change my lifestyle, like tomorrow, it's just the small the small steps. It's just so much more, it's so much easier. It's so much more attainable that way. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's what I teach my clients, but I find that we can't even set goals until they've worked through the the stories. How do you feel about, um, how do you feel about setting goals? Like, are you kind of like a five-year planner or like what, what kind of like goals do you feel are like healthier versus? Well, it's interesting. I, or is it like goals and being agile, you know, ding, ding, ding for sure. 
I not set five-year goals. I did. I did. But then, you know, I was in a relationship for three years and all of my goals surrounded. Mm. So Mm. now I'm in a place where I don't know what my goals are and I'm sitting with that and enjoying it. Okay. Um, But I have a vision for who I want to be and Mm. the kind of business I want to build and the people I want to surround myself with. So I have identity visions I have um, community visions and now I, and I have outdoor visions. So I love that. Right. Taking these visions, once you write them down, they're a goal. Yeah. I, this weekend, I spent a lot of time working through some of my limiting beliefs around being an outdoors woman. You know, I have these huge goals to be a super competent climber to like get to the point of being an athletic climber and Alpine mountaineer. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to climb mountains and I don't even know how to start a fire right now. <laughs> so, um, I was relying on my partners, on my ex-boyfriends to, to teach me to like, get me there. And then I was like, enough is enough. I want to learn this stuff. So this weekend I set some goals and I hired a coach. Cause I was like, cool. I need this mindset. I need the tools and this coach, you know, the way they do. And it's good for me. Every coach has great coaches and I have a few coaches, but this is the first, I, it, I haven't um, invested in self-development in a while because everything's been about my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the more I invest in myself and in my own development, the more people will, it's this beautiful law of attraction where when you're working on yourself, other people are just attracted to you and want to, to, to join you on that mm-hmm. journey um, because we're all as a society, we've moved away from getting in touch with ourselves. We're addicted to social media. We're addicted to TV. We, everything's about external validation in our society because we create that with social media. We create an identity. So we're ignoring what's going on inside. We're ignoring our pain. We're ignoring our, we're telling ourselves stories about ourselves and ignoring the truth, the core wounds. Um, Well, you know, it's funny too, about um, kind of the flip side of living alone versus being surrounded by people and consistently asking for their opinions. That is something that I struggled with so much in college. I totally lost um, my trust in my own gut. Um, And it wasn't until kind of senior year when I was finally on my own. And then I remember walking down the street and wondering what do I want for dinner? And then being like, I know exactly what I want for dinner. Like, this is what I want for dinner. Why did I even feel the need to possibly ask someone else what I should have for dinner? Um, and then it was about like rebuilding that trust in my own intuition, um, even down to like what I should wear, you know, asking my friends or whoever, what, you know, does this look good? Is, should I wear this? Should I wear that? And then just being like, this makes me feel good. I like the way this looks and just doing it. Mm -hmm. So if it happens, if it infiltrates in those smaller ways, like it has definitely infiltrated to me in like the bigger ways. And I, um, I think it has slowed me down from setting the types of goals that you're talking about and just kind of doing it, you know, Mm -hmm. going for it. Well, and there's, What's cool is in the story workers community is like they host goal setting workshops once a month and I'm constantly learning from the other coaches. Um, There's one guy who's like creating a business productivity hacks and it's using language, using stories to increase your productivity. Um, And within this, we do goal setting workshops. So it's, I'm planning to create some, some of these goal setting workshops in the future, particularly for creatives. I, like I said, I work exclusively with yes. creative people because those are my peeps. Like I love, I, creative I was going to ask what, like, I mean, obviously because you're an artist yourself, but what, is there something about like artists that you feel this work is necessary for? You know what I mean? Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> artists are people pleasers. Okay. In so many ways we're either it's amazing how performing and, and artistry can attract both codependents and narcissists alike. Mm, mm-hmm. 
we rely so heavily on external validation to know that our art is good and to know that we're worthy. But like, where's our own self-worth? Where's our own confidence? Where's our own, I do this just because I love doing it. Yeah. Releasing that external validation, releasing the need for other people to heart our Instagram and, Mm um, and to, you know, separating from the need to make money from our art as well, which is like, um, with your clients, do you ever like talk about boundaries with social media and that sort of thing? So I haven't, and that's actually a really good idea. A good point. Um, I mean, social media is tricky because I mean, as I'm sure you know, from building this business, you need it to get the word out, but you don't want to spend too much time on it, but you also need to know what other people are up to. You know, it's this weird balance that you have to find. Well, for my business, I, you know, I strive to power hour, which is like spend one dedicated hour doing the things I need to do. And a lot of that's like, I mean, for social media, for me, yeah, content is great, whatever, but it's all about building connections. Like it's all about having actual conversations with people, not just passive, like whoever comments on my posts, like, no, I check in with people every day, strangers, people who didn't sign up for my program, people who I think one day might want to people who are not my ideal client at all, but who I might want to backpack with one day or just check in on or just say hi. So I try to spend like an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening, just messaging. Well, it's Um, funny because I feel like we are still, um, in that a part of that era where virtual like conversation, like I have to remind myself that like, this is real, you know, in a lot of ways, or like, you know, I'll go on TikTok or something and see like strangers commenting on each other's stuff. And I am still not accustomed to that concept of just like interacting with strangers online, which is so silly because like I'm 25, like this is not new. Um, but I've had the most genuine conversations over the quarantine than in the past three years, which is so funny because I was under the impression that people didn't actually want to help each other out. Mm -hmm. And then now that everyone has a time to hop on a phone call, it's been crazy to me. I'm like, oh my God, people actually do like helping each other. How incredible. This is wild. So it's really interesting. When I moved to Seattle, everyone warned me about this Seattle freeze. That people here are cold. And I was like, I can handle anyone. I love people. I can get anyone to come out of their shell. While that's typically true, in Seattle, it's not. Really? It's very cold when you first meet them. It's hard to break. I mean, like you could blame the weather, you could blame the tech industry, whatever. Um, it's hard to break through people's initial shell. Like I sit on my porch every night and like, I'll have a tea or a beer or whatever, you know, I just enjoy sitting on my Mm -hmm. porch and writing every night. And I say hi to people who walk by and half the time people are terrified of it (laughs) saying hi. So I, you know, have this story that people in Seattle are cold. Well, I posted in Pacific Northwest outdoor women's group, um, a few weeks ago, explaining what just happened in my life that I'm going through this frustrating breakup. Um, and one of the things that this dude held over my head was that he was the expert outdoors person. And like, it's a waste of money to take all these classes, blah, blah, blah. And I basically, and I was open about it. And I was like, I am determined to be a female outdoors woman and know what the heck I'm doing. What are your suggestions? I had 1500 women reach out on that post. No, 1,500 women. That is crazy. I immediately went, oh, so where is that story coming from? Yes. Maybe sometimes in person, people are like, who are you? Why are you talking to me? Because it's abnormal there, but that does, but inside people do want connection. They do want to, and I'm having people now consistently still I'll climb with you. I'll go backpacking with you because I added a bunch of women. And then my post today about like setting backpacking goals. I'm doing this. Mm. I'm, you know, I'm, I I do. I wonder like how COVID has played a role in all of that, because I know that I walk around now, super skeptical of like strangers. And that is not like 
my nature. Um, and it was funny because recently I just had the opportunity to see a few friends that I hadn't seen before in a while. And I remembered how much I missed meeting new people and talking to strangers. But because of the current circumstances, like I feel like I've kind of trained my brain and body to like absolutely shut down whenever someone comes near me that I don't know or like talks to me that I don't know. So I don't know if I'm going to have to like undo some of that or if it'll just come back naturally kind of as a relief. Um, But yeah, I guess like online has really been a respite for this moment. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, back to the creatives. I basically, I looked around at all of my friends because when I, when I hired that coach, it, one of the questions is who is your ideal client? Who is the person that if you spoke to a hundred times a day, you would love it and not be drained by it. Creatives for me. Like I just love, I, when one of my clients, everyone's creative in some way. One of my favorite clients right now, and I, you know, you don't pick favorites with your clients, <laughs> but I love working with writers with story work mm. because their writing is so vivid. I have one client when she came to me, she's dealing with a lot of trauma, huge life changes. She came to me with, I'm not a creative, but I saw you made a video and said all the reasons why you're creative. And I went, I can be creative. <laughs> and since then she's written three journals. Wow. We've been working together two months. Jeez. She just writes so much and she's a beautiful, beautiful writer. And oh my gosh, I can't wait to see what book or poetry or what she does with it. But it's, and it's funny that, sorry, I did not mean to interrupt. Oh no, it's good. It's, the point is, is like this idea of anyone can be creative and it's finding that spark within you. And by focusing on our inner self a little bit and just learning how to journal, learning how to get our thoughts down on paper. And that can be with, and I teach bullet journaling. So free form. So it make it messy. Um, well, it's also like, I'm a writer and I consider myself creative and yet I have never spent time on my own story until now and then finally when I was even able to just write an elevator pitch for myself I was that more capable of getting on phone calls to network or to informational interview type of thing you know just spending time on my own story and believing it you know because there's then that other whole portion of do you even believe what you're saying um but and that's about affirmations Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it just completely changed the way I talk about myself and the way that I think about myself because I don't know, it's just that much, it's just that much better. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's finding our own stories. It's a beautiful thing and our story changes and that's why we keep doing this work. Like I, like I said, I've, I've, you know, done, I've had clients that are like, Oh, I've processed this trauma and I'm like, okay, well, we're going to process it again. (laughs) And they do the story work and they go, oh, oh, I like this (laughs) because it's taking ownership and feeling like you have the reins in a situation that you felt really out of control in at the time. Um, And I, one thing I love, 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 love about story work is how creative it is. Like it's a different experience with all of my clients and now that I'm getting coached again through it, it's a different experience for me. Mm. My, the guy who I, who's my friend who I asked to, to coach me through some of the <clears throat> stories of abuse. Um, he did this really cool thing where he took it one line by line, my story. And we played the one word game that I showed you with mm-hmm. should and, but it gets so much more in depth yeah. for each line of my story. And it was so empowering. We were screaming. It was awesome. Wow you know, one of the things that I'm getting super, super vulnerable on this podcast right now. But, um, one of the things for instance, was, uh, that my ex said to me a few times that now, when I look back, I realize how scary it, it is. Um, he would say, Hmm, seems my potion is working. Oh, it's creepy. Oh. I know. We're I know. We're talking about like body responses. I just shuddered <laughs> like, a lot. I know, I know. And I ignore. Uh. You know, I ignored these things, um, for a multitude of reasons, 
But after playing the one word game with it, we got to, I am my magic. Mm. I am my own magic. And that is my affirmation right now. Wow. So once again, taking something that had this visceral response in my body and learning how to first breathing through that to like get the response of that. So now I can say it. I like, I can say those words that he said to me and not have a full body reaction. I don't feel the hollowness in my chest that I did before um, from that sentence. It's like reclaiming it a bit. Exactly. As I say, turning down the dial. Yeah. Well, thank you, first of all, for being vulnerable. I appreciate it. And um, I'm so happy to hear that you've been able to do this. It's amazing. Well, I have the tools. I have these tools and I'm grateful for the community that stepped up to guide me. And now, I mean, one thing that my friend said to me, she was like, oh my God, you're going to be such a, co- a good coach when you come up um, through the other side of this. She was like, you are going to skyrocket with your clients because you overcame this. And I'm yeah. like, I'm still in the middle of it. So I'm not there you yet. Have to, you have to understand where people are coming from in order to, you know, Exactly. And I get it all the time from my clients. Of, and when I say, why are you on this call today? Like why, what made you want to sign up with me? Why of all the other programs out there? And they're like, because you're creative. Mm. You understand what it's like to be a creative who's not creating. Oh man. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So talk about identity an identity crisis of a creative who's not creating. Look, I'm the past three weeks, I've been back and forth around. I'm like, I'm not creating anything. I'm writing every day. Yeah. Well, I mean, even just the sheer, when everything started shutting down and it was like, what is my purpose? Like what, why am I getting up? Like, what is the purpose here? Who am I? Yeah. Yeah. And, and who can I be with this moment, with this information, with this circumstance? Um, it's, it's a lot to address. And like, it's, it can be really, especially for me in the beginning, it was really crippling. Um, just the, how overwhelming it felt was so daunting that I kind of didn't even want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. It was just easier to watch TV and put it off. Well, and I was dealing with that right before COVID because I was transitioning out of being a professional performer. I knew mm-hmm. I was going to do theater in Seattle. Well, I knew I I'm not doing theater in yeah. Seattle. Um, I thought that I would continue to do theater here, but I was ha- going through quite the identity crisis when I started moving toward the coaching space and leaving performing because I was like, I've been a performer my entire life since I'm what, four years old and I started doing ballet. And how do you change that? And did I want to be a performer or did other people want me to be a performer? See, and this is why, honestly, I hate the phrase. um, If you could see yourself doing anything else, don't do theater. Because guess what my 17-year-old brain did? It shut down any other potential interest. And not to say that I... I don't regret any decision or um, that particular pursuit or major or whatever, but it took me a minute to be okay with the fact that I liked other things and that they could coexist, you know, like God forbid. What a lie that statement is. It's such a lie. You have to do something else to be in theater. Even most successful Broadway actors and film actors, they're all doing other things other than performing. They eventually get to directing, they get to producing, they have clothing lines, they have perfume lines, skincare. They're doing other things because guess what? Even for the highest paid performers and actors, they're not making what they want to make to support mm-hmm. what they do because they work for two weeks at a time, film actors. Yeah. yeah. They might make a bunch of money in two weeks. And if you're, but if you're just beginning, you're not getting another job that year. Well, also, like aside from the fact that just, being a well-rounded human makes you a better actor in the first place. Oh. Um, but also that's that realization dawned on me where I was meeting um, actors who were copywriters or editors or, you know, kind of doing cool stuff that I could have maybe wanted to do. And then, but my brain just went like straight to the survival jobs. Cause that's all you kind of hear about is like, this is what you're supposed to do while you're 
trying to audition and getting stuck in that cycle of this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's kind of like the should it's, it just exactly. it consumed me. And I, when I finally liberated myself from this concept, Ooh, ooh was- wait, I need to pause on the liberation <laughs> liberated yourself. That is a powerful word. It is. (laughs) And it's true. It's the only way that I can really explain the feeling of I can be a multitude of things. And like there's like a multitude of truths to me and they can coexist because it's just me. Like it's just me. And that's cool. I don't know, you know. And the best, the best artists and creatives are that dynamic yeah. and truly themselves. My gosh, becoming a creative coach has made me a stronger creative. I, when I sing, it's because I want to, and then it's, mm-hmm. fun. I'm like more interested in creating a band and, and practicing. I paint now. I never painted before. We <laughs> have finger painting night in my apartment. And I literally had this like I told myself and my roommates, I can't paint. I'm not a painter. I can't draw. I can't do any of that stuff. And then I like got the finger painting out and it wasn't half bad. And I was like, this is so cathartic. Why did I not do this before? Why did I just not do it? Because I thought I couldn't, you know? Exactly. My friend does this thing called, she calls it bad art class. That's awesome. I love it. So we, um, you know, get drunk and paint together. That's so funny. <laughs> And, you know, what's cool is that with COVID, there's all of these opportunities to do things online, to take courses, to do group classes. I mean, look, I'm looking to transition more into a group format. Okay. Uh, I was okay. I was going to ask um, what your what you see for your business going forward. Oh, gosh. That is the question. I have so many visions. I really, 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 really am manifesting a business partner right now. Okay. Because... I thrive from teamwork. I love teamwork. Creative collaboration. Exactly. And I also know that I want to grow as a coach every day. And the way to do that is for, to have someone call me on my bullshit and help me grow out of it and to do the same with them. And good coaching is look, the best coaches have the right question. So when you find yourself giving the right answers, it's time to reevaluate how you're coaching. Mm. So I'm working on that now. How do I become, how do I have better questions? How do I know what the right questions are to ask? And that's just practice, you know, like grace, practice, growth, learning. I love that idea of practicing. This is story work is practicing. It's, it's practicing, taking yourself out of victim mentality Oh man, I listened to this beautiful podcast with Brene Brown and one of her guests was a Holocaust survivor and went on and on about, about victims. She was like, the moment you think you're a victim is when they've won. You were victimized, but the victim, you are not, that is not your identity. Right. You need to leave that identity behind. And that's hard when you're in the middle of somebody, somebody else or other. Well, it's also hard because I feel like the way you normally hear it, it's when people are like looking down on you for acting that way, you know, rather than acknowledging the fact that this circumstance happened. Um, and here's how we can reclaim it. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, well don't be, don't be such a victim. Like, and think about how people who are looking down on others are looking down on themselves. Mm -hmm. Project all the time. Anyone who's mean to you, chances are they are meaner to themselves. Yeah. Jeez. Jeez. I've done so much research into this over the past few weeks since discovering, you know, my toxic ex, his, um, personality disorder since waking up to the fact that he's a psychopath. Um, and cause it all applies to us on a normal level, you know, this victim mentality, this, this, um, woe is me. Yeah. Cause you know, and what is gratitude? Gratitude is recognizing the good, recognizing what we have, because we focus so much on what we don't have, mm-hmm. all the bad things that have happened to us. Well, what are the good things that we're doing? I 
said hi to my, I gave my barista a, a smile under my mask today and they smiled back and I gave them a tip and they said, thank you. And that was a beautiful, lovely moment um, that I'm grateful for. I'm grateful yeah. for human interaction. But and you that- are still able to do this without being full-blown toxic positivity. Like we're not talking like only gratitude all the time because that's when it feels like it becomes unrealistic un less truthful in a way, you know? Exactly. It's, it's learning how to take the memories and the things that happen to us and for us. I love this new thing. It's, it's all happening for you. It's all happening mm-hmm. for me. Someone said that to me recently and I was like, Oh, you're right. It's happening for me. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I grow into this beautiful butterfly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's taking these experiences separating the body's response because you, you, one, another reason I I noticed things I noticed about creatives. So we're people pleasers. A lot of us have some kind of chronic pain, you know, or highly empathic people, um, empathic and empathetic, which I think are two different things. Um, we are, um, highly sensitive, which is good. It's good, but it's important to know how to build our barriers around ourselves for ourselves to ourselves build boundaries with ourselves. Um, and this aspect of, uh, so many people have chronic pain. Now, as I mentioned, I had chronic pain, like what some would say, undiagnosed fibromyalgia. Um, you know, I, I would have just moments like days and days of such intense pain that getting out of bed was Mm. on the boat. My ex one day, it got so bad for one week and it was because of intense stress and intense pressure. Um, I I couldn't dress myself. I had to go on and do a show and it was, and it wasn't until I learned about how the mind works and how people pleasing and how not having boundaries, um, can create these trauma responses that live in our bodies forever. And our bodies are replaying the memories, replaying the stories over and over. So separating that story from our body so that, um, we can breathe a little better. Yeah. And so it's not carrying that tension. Exactly. And then like, you know, you, you see some cracks, putting a little gratitude into that crack, hmm. mm. putting a little 1% better into that crack, hmm. putting the, as we, as I call a, um, one of my clients calls it her, her, instead of her to-do list, she does a to-did list. Um, or I was it a did-do list or something like that. <laughs> And it's things that she did, that she accomplished. Yes. That she already got done in order to see her wins. Seeing the things you're doing well, seeing your successes, and then learning how to see more of them and do more of those wins. Do more of the successes. Do the things that are going to take you forward. And that is how you actually, that is where affirmations come in. That is where those, you can incorporate positivity without it being, toxic and, um, and weirdly unnecessary, right. We need to be positive hundred percent of the time. That's we, you know, we look at ancient traditions, like ancient Chinese medicine is not saying be positive all the time. It's saying life, you know, Buddhism is saying life includes suffering. Mm-hmm. What is the path away from suffering? Meditation, noticing your mind noticing those negativities, mm-hmm. noticing those. I, you know, I took world religions in at Penn state, my sophomore year. Um, and I remember being so taken by the three marks of existence in Buddhism of like, and the one that really stuck to me was like this, um, impermanence and I'm probably going to be botching this, but if my brain serves me correctly, um, it's the, kind of human, um, I don't condition maybe, uh, thing that we always do where you put meaning into a physical object that does not, was not meant for that meaning. And it's kind of like the desk that I'm working at right now. You know, like for me, if I put, um, meaning into this desk that is separate from the fact that it is a place to write, you know, like I put this, like, meaning on this desk of it's 
beautiful and it's making me happy. And then tomorrow it's gone or tomorrow it's not beautiful. It's, and then I suffer because it's, because I've given it a different meaning than its intended purpose. Mm -hmm. Ways in which we suffer and um, kind of self-inflicted suffering. I also talked about with my roommate living within my values, because that's something that I'd also never thought about, never written down. It probably lived in the back of my brain somewhere, but it wasn't until I was um, with my mentor, wrote down my values um, and was able to identify whether or not the people I've surrounded with, the choices I've made are living within or without my values or outside of my values. So for example, one of my values is reliability. Now, if I surround myself with people who are unreliable, I'm going to suffer. And it's not even technically their fault because that's a part of who they are, but I've made the choice to live outside my values. And so when I suffer for it, I can identify that that's why. Um, And that's helped me understand why certain people, certain choices, certain circumstances have made me confused, conflicted, unhappy, stressed. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been such an interesting thought process. Yeah. It's interesting. I haven't done values trainings before. Um, those are all standard, you know, it's good, like life coaching basics. I never took a life coaching course, like how to become a life coach. Mm. I started with nutrition. You are getting certifications right now. Yeah. It's funny. Like I don't care about certifications. Um, and my clients don't really either. Like I rarely get somebody who asks me, so what are your certifications? Um, it's more about, am I implementing this into my own life? Mm-hmm. So I, although I am certified like practicing I, what you preach. Yeah, exactly. Practice what I preach. And you know, when I'm most stressed about what I do is when I'm not practicing what I preach, because I feel like I'm like, well, I'm a sham right now. Yeah. Um, so recommitting to myself always, it's always about, you know, what is, what is the work? It's a, what is self-care? What is self-love? It is a constant recommitment to yourself and learning how to be consistent with it. That is the thing. And what is, I, you know, we live in an age of, all right, starting Monday, starting (laughs) Monday. What about starting right now? Right. What can you do within the next 24 hours to recommit to you? Your new year's resolution that you, um, resolutions are just the worst. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, once again, it's this quick fix mentality, but how can I recommit to myself today? I recommitted by I'm, I'm leaving the house every morning before I start working. I need a five minute walk. I need to get, cause it'll be 5 PM and I'll have done so much that day, but I won't have left my apartment. Yeah. Um, uh, that happens to me all the time. Yeah. So how do we recommit to ourselves? For me, it's a five minute walk around my beautiful neighborhood. <laughs> five minutes. I can yeah, do that. Yeah. I can do that. That's easy. Especially as the sun's starting to come out in Seattle. Oh my God. I can't yeah. wait. I cannot wait for, <laughs> for more sun. I know. Um, it's time. So yeah. Wow. We've talked about so many things. <laughs> I know. <laughs> No, I really appreciated this. And thank you so much for taking the time to really um, dive into all of this. I feel like um, I, for me, at least a lot of this podcast has been about how different people get from point A to point B, because a lot of the time, you know, I can see the product, but not the process. And I'm so much more curious about the process. And so I feel like as a coach, it must be so valuable to share your story as well. Um, I'm sure your clients appreciate that just to be able to see how you arrived in this moment. Um, yeah, funny. Cause you even said real quick, when we started talking, you were like, Oh, I thought that you were this outdoors woman. This, yeah, you were there and no, it's such a process. I'm in the middle of the process. I'm at the beginning of it. That's so cool. 
Oh, I can't wait to see what you do with it. And I can't wait to see what, um, what becomes of your business and where can people find you now? You can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, on Facebook, just add me, Sammy Sadicario. Join my Facebook group, the Creative Health Community, every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's the same time. Um, I go live. I do a live training and I talk story work. We talk mindset. We do. We play language games. I bring on awesome guests. Like next week, I'm bringing on somebody who teaches um, performers how to make money online selling their music, like using all the music platforms. So I'm constantly bringing people in. We talk, um, feminine menstrual cycle. We talk about syncing your cycle with your business and with your creativity. Um, so it's a health community for creatives. Join the Facebook group or you can find me on Instagram at Sammy says jump. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Fiona. Thanks for having me. This has been Fiona Winch with Sammy Sadicario. If you liked this episode, make sure to keep an eye out for more and follow the Instagram account at Thoughtful Intentions Podcast.